defenses. Initiate bank protocol. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, it's another episode of Bird Protocol. I'm your host, Palm Reader. I'm here with my co-host, Otis Morris. Hey, how's it going, man? Pretty good, pretty good. We got some, uh, today's been a good day. I got a new phone. Otis has a new uh, stream of income. Life is I'm good. A, I'm a year older. Oh, Everything's yes, right, okay. Right. It was, and it was his birthday this week. What you, you know, at the end, we'll talk a little bit what you can do to celebrate his birthday because there's something you could do to like maybe, you know, to help out if you wanted to celebrate his birthday in the next couple of days. But uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good, uh, good couple of days, good day today. And we're going to talk about a, a, a one hell of a band from, from Ontario uh, mm-hmm. to the rest of the world. Uh, a, a, uh, very consistent and unique voice in punk music and rock music in general. Um, and, uh, and, and a band we both love very much. Uh, we're talking about the, uh, the, the awesome pup, pup, the band, ladies and gentlemen, um, pop, pop, and, uh, Just pup. not a dog. It's a pup. Yeah. It's a pup. Um, yeah, fantastic band. Uh, Otis suggested we talked about them because they just recently released their newest album, uh, uh, known as The Unraveling of Pop the Band, uh, which is out now as of last Friday, April 1st. We will definitely talk about that album. We'll talk about some of their other albums. Um, they are a band to me that, uh, even when they are not, uh, completely hitting the mark, which is most of the time, they're still incredibly listenable and, uh, and, and just really fire, you know, they're just firing on all, all cylinders. Um, so, you know, it's another one of these episodes where we're just going to kind of gush about a band, um, that we both really, really like, uh, how did Mm -hmm. you first come into finding about pop? Um, I don't remember i don't know i don't know i was working at a record store and i came across their second album um the dream is over and i listened to it and i was hooked on it just instantly um yeah like the opening track if the tour doesn't if the store doesn't kill you i will i was just like i love this i love this then i found out they're canadian uh watched their music videos music videos are fantastic we'll talk about that um and yeah, just musically, they were just a wholly unique band. Like they have a lot of trademarks of like the pop punk sound, you know, gang vocals, sense of humor in the lyrics, you know, verse, chorus, verse, br- chorus, bridge, chorus, end song, you know, structures. But the way they pull it off is unique, like strange time signatures, key changes, tempo changes. Um, Yeah, I think the best way to describe this band is also um, a band that they're also associated with, uh, Jeff Rosenstock, another fantastic band similar to Pup. He basically described them, probably misquoting him, he might have been quoting somebody else, but he described them as if jazz nerds decide to play punk music. And I think that is the most apt description of this band. And and they also like tonally, they also tonally kind of, 
um, cover a vast swath of of different kind of tones in punk music. Like yeah. even on their on their, I mean, you can say that as they're they've progressed, they've become a little bit more accessible because they've, um, you know, they want to they're, they're larger, they're on a larger scale, they they want to be more accessible to everybody, but they've also become more experimental. Um, mm-hmm. But even in their early records, like with uh, especially um, their second record, which I do really want to talk about, um, and on morbid stuff. Uh, they go between kind of fast frenetic punk music, like pop punk, pop punky punk music, to really cool like spacier languid, uh, almost punk ballads um, mm-hmm. that really really rule. Um, there's a lot of as you said tongue in cheek humor in the lyrics, but it's also very personal and and um, especially for people our age who uh, kind of grew up listening to pop punk and punk and hardcore and all that stuff. It's kind of self-reflexive. Like I find a lot of the stuff that I like about pop is that is in lyrically is the content that is kind of like honestly depicting the uh, I don't want to say plight, but the, the things that kind of millennial musicians go through, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very like, it's, has the like you know teenage and angst and stuff but it like comes from uh, it has a lot of self-awareness behind it like there are many like songs where it's like you know he's like calling people out but then calls himself out at the same point like i forget what song it is where he's saying like something like you know how many times have you seen this like scrawled on the back of like toilet doors or whatever across america and whatnot like you know, they're just another punk band crying about stuff, but at the same time, they know and they make fun of themselves and others. Like yeah, it's I kind mean, of even it's, they're fun with it, and that's the thing about punk. Like punk's supposed to be fun. Yeah, I think even even with the new record being the unraveling of Pup the band, there's a like a tongue in cheek kind of narrative that goes through it, where they're like, mm-hmm. he's kind of like, oh we're trying all these different things and we're doing all this, you know, exploring all these different sounds, but like, we're all at odds with each other, which they obviously weren't, but there mm-hmm. it's like the narrative of the album is the band not being able to reconcile all their influences and what they want to sound mm-hmm. like and all these things. Um, and it's just really self-aware and really cool. Um, like even like the song, if the, to- if the tour doesn't kill you, I will like, it's about wanting to kill your bandmates, like yeah. being w- around somebody like for three months in a fucking van. Yeah. You're going to want to kill them. And like, that's like the most honest portrayal of like friendship. Like I love you, but I'm going to fucking kill you. If like, I have to deal with you for like another day, like some, like that's the most real shit. And it's like, I totally understand that. Like, yeah, and and, and, and like, also just there's so many other lyrics too. Like, yeah, oh yeah, there, we'll I mean, um, amazing lyrically and musically, like the the actual guitar work and stuff is so unique to them. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's so unique to them that like you can kind of emulate it, and because nobody else is making that kind of sound, especially on like the Dream Is Over, the second album, and Morbid stuff, there's, like, a very specific mm-hmm. sound. You see it kind of change with the newest record, but it's still there. Um, and we love bands who kind of have artists who have their vision, have their 
voice, their sound, and and it's something unique. Like that's something I love. I would prefer something that's not cookie cutter, that's wholly their own. Um, yeah. As opposed to like some people are just like, I like stuff that sounds like stuff on the radio. Whereas me, it's like, I don't need another a future or a little Uzi Vert or whatever. Like do your own thing where I don't need another Blink-182 mm-hmm. I want you to change. I want you to find your own voice and, you know, you can use your influences, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, finding yourself as a band or as an artist and then like running with it is something that I love. And this band has done so well, um, which I'm sure we've said in other episodes, but, um, I found pup out because, um, when they released their self-titled, their first album, uh, one of my friends had sent me it because I really liked Fiddler too mm-hmm. and they were like yo you should check this out because their first album is a little bit more like aggressive um yeah yeah it's like more it's a more straightforward like punk album like it the first one like it it just has like their songs have like more straightforward riffs whereas like the sort of like key and like time signature changes it's more part of their sound from the second album onwards but like there is still some of that in yeah, the first you, album. But. You did the first album, like you definitely see, um, the kind of like it's a fantastic debut record, but it it in with the dream is over. That was where it was like I was like this is immaculate. Like this album front to back is like almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it it was it it was such a step in the right direction. And then you had morbid stuff, which was building on what they had done with the dream is over, but also incorporating some more um, kind of ballady stuff and some more kind of uh, changes in, I don't want to say volume, but loudness. And they're still doing the key changes and the tempo changes, but they're also adding kind of layers of dimension. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. those two records are fantastic. Um, But yeah, I had heard their first record. And then when the dream is over came out in 2016, uh, you, that was when we, I'm pretty sure you, started listening to it when we lived together and you played it and you were like, this is crazy. And I was like, I know this band. And then I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, something like that. Yeah. It was some, around that time. Something around that time. Um, but you know, the dream is over, especially as you said, the music videos for that album are like incredible the songwriting I love. It's just so good. But anyway, since then I've been all for pup. Um, I can't remember who it was who sent me the original uh, link to the original album. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no pup pup rules. Um, and they're from Toronto. Uh, good old, good old local talent. And, uh, and they're doing it large. Um, and uh-huh. you know, it's, it's sick to see. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to see them. Have you seen them? No, I haven't. Um, they're playing two shows in Toronto pretty much a month from now. I'm pretty sure they're both sold out, but if you can buy fucking secondhand tickets for at like triple quadruple the price if you want, but you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I'd recommend them maybe next tour. They'll come through for 40 bucks, 30 bucks for a ticket, probably, you know? That's the thing. Well, maybe next tour, they might be even bigger. So, yeah, they might be popping off. Um, yeah, they just got tweeted at by Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. 
Uh, so who knows? It might be opening for Weezer next year. You don't yeah. know, which is strange because that's how I've always introduced pop to people. I'm always, I've always said they're like, if if Weezer was a good punk band instead of like a decent rock band, this <laughs> this is what they'd be. That's wild. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, yeah, I can see it. Like particularly like Weezer from like the '90s, like their '90s stuff, like they like. Like there's some like guitar and like song structures things that like it, uh, we, I think pop has a lot of that in there. Like especially like Pinkerton and the Blue album. Like I think like they're definitely influenced by Weezer. They've played Weezer covers before live. Like I'm pretty sure they cover the Sweater song live. So I I think that that influence is definitely there because. I don't know, because even like the way they even write lyrics is very sort of Rivers Cuomo-esque. Like there's like pop culture references. It's they're kind of they're like love songs, but they're like nerdy love songs. And they're like they have like an like it has it has a personality to it. Like they're not their yeah. songs aren't like just a- like cookie cutter, like bullshit. It's not like MGK fucking pop punk. It's like, oh no, this is an actual, uh, like Stefan Babcock, the vocalist, the guitarist, vocalist, the, I'm pretty sure uh, primary uh, lyric writer, you know, he, his song, his lyrics have a personality. And you're like, this comes from a point of view. Like even in on a recent release, um, like in the song "Robot Writes a Love Song," there's a in the second verse he's just complaining about how the fucking Edge 102.1 The Edge just plays Black Hole Sun all day, which is true because when I worked in a factory, we listened to The Edge <laughs> and Black Hole Sun plays like five fucking times a day, and I hate it. Yeah. So like, there are things like I literally relate to so many times, like in and that's, their lyrics. That's like, what it's I very was, specific. Yeah, that's what I was saying about like he writes. It's a very, it's very personal but very accessible because like, mm-hmm. um, like for example, my one of my absolute favorite songs of theirs, "Sleep in the Heat," which it makes mm-hmm. me like every time I watch the video, I get a little tear in my eye. Yeah, because um, oh, yeah. that's like one of the like that that it's a gut punch of a video and a gut punch of a song. Um, mm-hmm. But it's about his lizard dying. And mm-hmm. like, you know, you wouldn't think that it would be that deep of a song, but the way they put it together um, and him talking about how, you know, he was kind of paying attention to himself only. And he didn't, he wasn't realizing that his, that the lizard was sick and then the lizard died and he, feels bad and he wished you know and and it's just this very like personal slice of something that makes you want to go hug your pet you know it's like Mm -hmm. you you're it's something universal told through a personal lens and i find a lot of their and a very specific lens and i i find a lot of their music is that that he has such a uh a smart way much like um when we talked about uh keith buckley he has such a smart way of tackling like larger themes and ideas while mm-hmm. uh, speaking through his specific voice and his specific like references and stuff like that. I like that you brought up Weezer, like the nineties Weezer. That's a really astute ob- observation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Just fantastic. Fantastic uh, songwriting. And if you haven't, if you haven't listened to pup, listen to the dream is over and watch the videos um, cause that's a really good place to start. And then you can kind of go in, in either direction. They also have, um, so I guess we should just kind of like explain, um, pup, which is an abbreviation of pathetic use of potential, uh, which was, a. is it actually, yes, it it's is an it's abbreviation. A, yeah. 
It's an abbreviation of uh, pathetic use of potential, um, which is an uh, Wait, acro- that's an acronym. Yeah, it's an acronym yeah. of uh, of Bab from Babcock's grandmother, who said that playing in a rock band was a pathetic use of potential. And so that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and they're, yeah, the Canadian punk rock band formed in Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, 2010. Originally they played under the name Topanga uh, and you can find uh, music that they released under Topanga. There was like a demo tape that they put out, which is very much similar to um, their, some of the songs even were put on their self-titled as pop, um, but they were obviously younger it's a little messier. It's a little more straightforward, but it's still really good. Um, they uh, they played uh, uh, they they played as Topanga for a while, um, uh, named after a character from uh, Boy Meets World. Um, and, Terrible uh, show. Pardon. I hate that show. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know why. I, I, don't I know. never liked Boys Meets World. Like so many people growing up were like, "Dude, I gotta go home. Gotta watch Boy Meets World." I'm like. Show stinks, man. Like, I don't know. I just never resonated with me. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't my big point of contention between me and Phil. So anyway. Yeah. Um, it's I'm on your side on that one. I don't yeah. I don't really know or care about Boy Meets World. But anyway, yeah. um, the band is uh it was formed in 2010. Um the drummer, bassist, and guitarist, so uh bassist Nestor Chumak, guitarist Steve Sladowski or Sladkowski, sorry, and drummer uh Zach Mykula are all childhood friends who were all in school together in Toronto. Um, and uh and the guitarist and vocalist Stephen Babcock, he grew up playing in bands, other bands in Toronto. Um, and during high school, he was the lead guitarist for a ska band called Stop, Drop, and Skank. Uh, and, uh, Hell yeah. Yeah, man. That's the uh, best name for a ska band ever. Uh, Stop, Drop, and Skank? Fuck yeah, dude. So, and they all knew each other through the local, you know, they met each other on occasion through the local Toronto music venues and the scene, but they were not close at the time. Um, after Stop, Drop, and Skank dissolved uh, uh, while attending Ryerson University, um, uh, Stephen Babcock uh, worked with, uh, or Stefan, St- St- I'm not I don't know. I don't know. It's got an F. So Stephen, Stefan, we'll just, we'll just go by both. We'll just switch yeah, back. Yeah, whatever. We'll go back and forth. Whatever, whatever um, comes out. He uh, he was attending Ryerson University, and he wound up working with Nestor Chumak to record a song he had written for a school project. Um, uh, and after recording that, they decided to form a band uh, and invited um, Steve Sludkowski and uh, Zach Mikula, the drummer and other guitarist. Uh, and they formed the band called Topanga. Uh, and they played um, as Topanga for a while. They just figured... Uh, they recorded a four-track EP together, and then um, uh, they didn't see they they thought they were a one-off project, didn't see themselves as a real band. Um, but after the release of their EP, they started playing uh, first show ever at the Bovine Sex Club. Shout out the Bovine Sex Club, great venue. Uh, and uh, the EP was doing well. They got getting uh, started getting better show offers and. Uh, People wanted to uh, bring him out. Um, in 2012, they uh, toured with Colorado and signed with their label, Royal Mountain Records. Um, and uh, then they decided to write their full, first full length. And during that time, um, 
they the name was changed uh, during the recording of the first album from Topanga to Pop. Um, they uh, wound up recording their first uh, self-titled album um, with uh, Dave Schiffman, who had worked with uh, artists such as Rage Against the Machine, Weezer, Anti Flag, and uh, and um, they sent it out to him. Uh, sent out some demos and he liked it and flew to Toronto and then they wound up uh, recording that album and after the release of the album uh, they started doing so well that they decided to uh, you know give it to quit quit um, quit their jobs and do pup full time um, and uh, nice. and and then there you go uh, they did a bunch of tours after the uh, release of their um, first uh, uh, so pretty much they went and, and recorded, um, the, they changed their name because, uh, they, uh, uh, were playing more kind of heavy punk rock style, um, which is the Topanga EP is a little bit more lighter, like more lighter punk. Mm. Um, okay. and also Disney. I've never heard it. So I have no idea what it actually it's, it's sounds It's still like. very much sounds like pop. Like it's, it just okay. sounds like a. A kind of younger pop. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and yeah. also Disney announced a new spinoff series uh, for Boy Meets World and they didn't want to be associated with it. So they changed the name. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so they wound up uh, uh, putting out the album, critical, critical success. Um, they were named some uh, by a bunch of Canadian papers and Canadian media companies as one of the best new bands. Uh, Stereo Gum listed them as one of the top 40 new bands of 2013. They won Bucky Awards from CBC Radio. Um, and uh, then they signed with Side One Dummy Records and re-released their debut album in the States. And then it, it was off from there. They toured the UK. Uh-huh. They toured the States. Um, they played Gros Rock in Belgium. Uh, they did a tour with the Mezingers, Lemuria, and Katana. Um, they opened up for the Hives in London. They played Reading and Leeds. Uh, they played in 2014. They played on Riot Fest. This is all just after their first album. Uh, they were they were going going. Um, and uh, yeah, then they they by by the end of 2015, they had played uh, the Molson Amphitheater, um, toured to support Modern Baseball across all of the U.S. Uh, Australia with the Smith Street Band. Apparently, there was a, 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 a mythical show they played at Lee's Palace, another great venue in Toronto, which was a quote unquote next level performance uh, that people speak of. I don't know anything about that. I tried to look it up, but um, apparently that's something. And then they went to record um, the next album, The Dream Is Over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, but The Dream Has Just Begun. It's just begun, I would say, for our young pops. I don't know why. No, that's a good um, one. No, it's a good one. They uh, they wound up uh, uh, putting out "Dream Is Over" in 2016, um, and uh, yeah, they was it it was a critical success. Um, apparently, the album's named after uh, Babcock's doctor. Uh, who said the dream is over after he damaged his vocal cords um, and performing. Uh, but obviously he didn't damage him too much because there's, you know, two more albums after that. 
uh, mm-hmm. three more albums after that. But yeah, they toured U.S., Canada, Australia, Europe, uh, and on a headlining tour called "If This Tour Doesn't Kill You, I Will," um, which is uh, another example of their tongue-in-cheek. Uh, sense of humor, considering the song is about killing people after a tour. You named your tour after a song about killing people after a tour. Uh, I love that. That's sick. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, they they just they played uh, by 2017 and 2018. They were playing uh, shows on uh, on on late night TV. Um, you're playing live on the talk show circuit. Um, they played in Europe, headlined Europe shows with the wonder years and tiny moving parts uh they played several music festivals shaky knees boston Colin, way home lollapalooza oshiega on and on and on yeah, pretty much so they're the- doing the festival circuit they're doing all the pop punk shows all the you know modern bands and stuff so pretty they're doing very well and that's only like 2016 so now they're doing much better for themselves now they're headlining and whatnot but like their ascension, I think, was very quick. Yeah, I would say. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. I'm, what I was trying to get at is off of the strength of their first album, they were already playing Riot Fest, Reading and Leeds, um, you know, South by Southwest, Grows Rock in Belgium. Like they were already playing festivals off of the first album. The second mm-hmm. album, which was also a critical success, like catapulted them up to the level of headlining in other countries uh uh playing all these festivals um being on late night television uh performing the first uh performance they did was on last call with carson daly performing sleep in the heat and if this tour doesn't kill you i will into dvp which is one of my favorite transitions between two songs of all time Mm -hmm. um uh and you know play they continue to play with the mezzingers um in UK and Europe, they just went everywhere. They were now a worldwide band. Um, and, uh, then they released morbid stuff in 20, in, uh, it was 2019, 2019, but the first singles came out, I think in 2018. Um, Uh, probably, but, uh, yeah, they tracked the third album, morbid stuff. It was released, uh, uh, through partially through um pop the zine which was like a comic book and flexi disc uh um uh release that they released to to you know for the culture a zine for the culture um <laughs> and um yeah morbid stuff came out on uh the april 5th 2019 uh and that album rules um and uh yeah they the thing they played late night with seth myers continued to go up and up and up. And then of of course the pandemic happened. Uh, so there's a little bit of a lull in the last couple of years. Um, but, um, they did release an EP called this place sucks ass in 2020. Um, uh, which is really good. And then, uh, and then, yeah. And then now we come to the fourth studio album unraveling of pop the band released last Friday and, uh, and they're, you know, now gearing up for a tour. I think they already are on tour or they're Mm -hmm. about to tour. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And then now pups back, uh, uh, back on, back on track. But yeah, this band had a meteoric rise. Like it was like, by the time the dream is over, everybody knew who pup was. And like Mm -hmm. to have that be your like second album, 
and to play like Grows Rock and Reading and Leeds and South by Southwest off of your first album as like a Canadian yeah. punk band from Toronto. Like that's pretty freaking wild, man. Like that's, um, it's pretty sick. That's pretty sick. And it's just a testament to how like dope they are. And one of the things that I love about pup is that like, they are so, I know this is sounds strange, but they are so fun to listen to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're one of those bands where it's like you put on the album and you just enjoy yourself. And like even the songs that have like heavier themes and stuff like that, the the way that they, the kind of like um, curating of the album and the track listing and everything, that it's never boring. It's never, you know, it's ne- it never goes too much one way. It tells a story. It, it works. The songs flow. The transitions are really good. They they put a lot of thought into the way songs transition and and the way things work. They have you know, in the new album they threw in some. Um, nice little uh interludes uh to kind of like further the story of the unraveling of the band um and stuff like that it's just really smart and really fun to listen to the dream is over is like you can put that on and just breeze through it and the entire time you're like this rules like from from if this tour doesn't kill you which is kind of like a a a, i don't want to say slower it's slower than dvp but the way that they switch from, you know, that song to DVP. that Yeah, it, like, if the story doesn't kill you, like, it doesn't, it's just one giant progression. Like, the song, it has, doesn't have, like, a verse or chorus. It just goes from one part to another. And then DVP is just fucking, just fast. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the DVP. That, and just the, you know, the ending where the tour doesn't kill you, I will. Dun, 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 dun. Like that switch, that transition part is so sick. Like it mm-hmm. gets me so hyped. They're just so fun to listen to. Um, and I'm sad that none of us have, neither of us have seen them because I would love to be able to tell everybody that's listening that that they are immaculate live, which I'm sure they are. But um, I mean, they have a lot of live stuff online on youtube and yeah it's they're very good live well hell yeah i'm i hell yeah i don't doubt i just like to be able to put our stamp of you know bird bird protocol approval because we've actually you know been there and seen them um but unfortunately just never got a chance to see pup and and uh i would absolutely love to um obviously this band has tons of acclaim they've uh enjoyed critical and commercial success They've won uh, Juno Awards, the Polaris Music Prize, the Bucky Awards. Uh, uh, their first single, Reservoir, was nominated for, for a SoCan Songwriting Prize. Uh, they used it, uh, they actually used uh, that in um, E3 2016 for the game Watchdogs 2. Uh, they've won, nominated for Best Videos. Um, yeah, there's just the Globe and Mail called them out as front runners, uh, front runners for the Polaris Prize. June, they were nominated for three Junos. Um, yeah, just Rolling Stone listed them as one of 2014's breakout rock acts. Uh, um, it just goes on and on. Um, you know, pop the dream is over charted on billboard uh in canadian albums alternative albums heat seekers independent albums top rock albums and top album sales uh, again they were nominated for the Polar- polaris prize 
Uh, Rolling Stone listed Sleep in the Heat music video as number four of the 10 best music videos of 2016. Again, that music video is... Goes hard. It's, it's so good. Well, let's... I guess we can talk about the music videos now. Yeah, let's... let's covered their career for the most part. Yeah. We, <laughs> it's just pretty straightforward. Band pretty straight releases forward. good albums, gets appropriate success, continues to release good albums. Yeah. Continues to rule. That's pretty much it. But I mean, yeah. you and you, you know what I think about that though is that there's so many bands that like you wind up looking back at their careers and it's like, oh, you know, they they did this and they did that and then there was a bit of a dip or they took a hiatus uh-huh. or they did whatever. Um, but like, pop, much like every time I die, rest in peace, uh, uh, is like just album after album of consistent like sickness from like the from like the jump um yeah. which is 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 crazy that just like a punk punk band from toronto as as it was said what some jazz nerds made a punk band and then yeah. suddenly they're you know being hailed as as one of the best new rock bands and playing all over the world like that's crazy um mm-hmm. So I love it. But yeah, let's get to the music videos. Music videos for this band are fabulous. Yeah. Um, like from the get-go, all their music videos are different. Like even some some of them's like on the first album, like they have a song called Back Against the Wall. So and it's just standard live footage, but it's footage shot from like them playing live from behind. So literally they're back. Like I know that's kind of dumb, but like it's a straightforward, cool idea, you know, but then they also have like an ongoing thing. I think they only did it for the first two albums where they had Finn Wolfhard of Stranger Things fame. Now he's, you know, famous, younger Timothy Chalamet type boy, I guess. You know, he was, I guess, the fictional lead singer of the fictional pop band. And so they have like a series. Um, I think it's really only Guilt Trip and Sleep in the Heat, but Sleep in the Heat's the one where the you know, these kids in a band they find a old raggedy dog and they bring the dog in. They tour with the dog, but the dog gets sick and then the dog dies. And you know it's the story of the song. And then at the end, you see the all the bandmates with pictures of their animals, and it's like really, it's a really emotional song. But yet, like it's not, it's not a sad sounding so- song at all. But like the visual component makes it like hits it so much like further home i think yeah Um, i mean it's the videos like the sleep in the heat video i mean the song itself when you actually read the lyrics is really sad but they pop has this tendency to write sad stuff that is fun to listen to like that's what i was trying to get at before that it's like yeah like that song and uh scorpion hill i think are the best two songs for that example because scorpion hill is about like a man losing his job and losing his mind and i think killing himself at the end i think that's the song i think that's the story of the song is about a man killing himself and leaving a wife and kid behind depressing as fuck the song is fantastic and it's top five one of my favorite pop songs to jam to because it starts off slow just singing and guitar and then it goes off like goes into like the fast punk beat and it's just it's just a really good song and you're listening to it so upbeat that you're forgetting you forget it's like oh this is a song about a guy killing himself or oh this is a song about a guy grieving his lost gecko or it's a guy grieving his a fucking car 
That's that's a song. Their yeah. song Mabu is about him sending his car to the auto wreckers. Yes, like, which is also <laughs> self which is also self referenced in Sleep in the Heat, where he's yes. where it starts with him saying like, "Oh yeah, I was like so depressed when I had to get rid of my car." that I came home and I was, de- and I was depressed and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to get stoned and sit around. And, and then he mm-hmm. brought the lizard home. Um, and then, you know, he had to tour and stuff like that and he wasn't around and he was dealing with his own yeah. mental health. And then the lizard got sick and he didn't notice. And then the lizard died, but the video mm-hmm. is Finn Wolfhard finding this dog and then going on t- they're on tour and the dog gets hurt and he sells his, his guitar to Get, take the dog to the vet um and then they have to leave or the and i think does the dog die or do they have to leave? i believe the dog dies like yeah. they, i think they leave that at the vet and like the dog dies i believe it's really um, sad and then but yeah the, there's this story about him having the dog and they're like in pretending to be a these kids who are pup the fictional pup band and there's you know the dog is helping them at night when they're sleeping in the van and the dog's barking and scaring people away and and you know and I guess it's supposed to show there's this like kindred spirit between this like kind of roving band of children and this dog and they, and you know, and then the dog dies. And at the end of the music video, like that's sad enough as it is, but then at mm-hmm. the end of the music video, you have the, the, all of the band members holding like p- with pictures of all their pets who have died. And it's just so sad. Like, it's just so sad. And, mm-hmm. and, but it's so powerful and even like the lyrics to the to to that song, like the, the it kind of shifts as it's going along, and then at the end, there's this very like emotional crescendo, which I really love in songwriting. It's like um, uh, "Yesterday" by Atmosphere, where that the very end he says, "You know, I thought I saw you yesterday, but it couldn't have been you because you passed away, Dad." And then the song just ends, and you're like, "Holy shit!" You know, like it it's very very smart and powerful songwriting but it's fun to listen to like the riffs in sleep in the heat are there like it's a fun bouncy song and i just love the fact that they're able to do that um and to kind of turn tonal expectations on their head because like you have and but also they're very able and capable of writing more popular and accessible songs like kids from morbid stuff is a really beautiful romantic song it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a punk ballad about being in love and i love that song and that was one of the first songs that i showed my partner megan and she loved it too and it's very cool to see that they're able to kind of shift even within the albums and challenge expectations but also just kind of rise to the the right kind of songwriting on certain mm-hmm. songs it's just really good and even the new videos for back to the videos the videos for um the new album, the uh, robot light writes a love song. That video is like sick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently the concept for that video was a, like the, the treatment, like, you know, what you would, anyways, whatever you would call just the idea of whatever the director did. Anyways, that was originally for little John's turned down for what? apparently i don't know if that's true or not but that's what they said um whether that's true or not i don't know but you know this could have been a little john video but now it's not that's uh but yeah there's like even matilda their i think that's their latest music video 
it's a, it's a song written up from the from a guitar that he doesn't use anymore so you know the guitar is kind of like writing a song about being abandoned like that's like i don't know like that's the it's things like that it's like that's like kind of like quirky and like sweet and like it's kind of like you kind of like feel like for that like i don't know it's like yeah. a level of emotion that you can like relate to and it's like i'm so happy like i would rather listen to a weird song about a guy lamenting about a guitar he doesn't use and hear another song about a guy complaining about his girlfriend breaking up you know yeah. like it's the same, it's like the same emotion, but it's like nice to just hear it conveyed in a different way through a different perspective and just have yeah. like, you know? And also like, well, if you look at it, and also something to kind of circle back when we were talking about the the songwriting and the way that, that he writes things, he, and being very self-aware where, you know, sometimes when he is singing songs about breakups or bad relationships or whatever, he's very, very open about his role in mm-hmm. in it. Like DVP is about him. Him being a shithead. Yeah. Much, is, yeah. And him being like, yeah, like I'm into whoever, somebody's sister, but she doesn't like me because I can't hold my drinks. And every time I'm around her, I drink and then throw up because I'm an idiot. Yeah, and, and like, also that video has a fantastic music video. Like, song has a fantastic music video. It's like all like old video game, eight bit, sixteen bit style, and yeah, they have crazy animated videos too. Yeah, um, the the video, yeah, the video for Matilda from the uh, point of view of the guitar robot writes a love song, which is just like a really cool, yeah, DVP. Oh yeah. I remember this video. This video does rule. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like riffing then, on all of the old like SNES games and stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then the video for Old Wounds is literally like an interactive video game through it. Like it's like a choose your own path video game that like you just, just go to YouTube and look up Old Wounds by Pub. And the video, like it's only you just go from video to video to video to video and like you get to kill the band members of pup which is kind of cool that's also the music video for if this tour doesn't kill you i will is them literally killing each other yeah. in insanely graphic ways at a gas station uh, like lighting each other on fire i forget i haven't seen the video in a while but i remember somebody gets lit on fire and then you have uh, like yeah all the animated ones like anaphylaxis which has the like uh the claymation no it's the claymation one okay uh and then dark days which is just the the like yeah i think dark days that one like won a bunch of awards like their music videos have won so many awards and like canadian music awards and like they're like and all their music videos are like created by like really great canadian like filmmakers and stuff and like I think that's a great part of like their success is that they understand the the artistic side of it like they've and and you see that like and you really see that with their latest album like the unraveling of pop the band like they've created a whole sort of story arc surrounded the album and they've done that before as you mentioned earlier you know before morbid stuff they released the zine and like that then like they come up with cool ways to get people interested into their band. Like, yeah. And they care about the artistry. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. that is really important. Like, 
you, you know, they care about the songwriting, they care about the actual music, which is great, but they also care about the kind of artistry and they know that they need to be seen and seen properly, but they are also willing to do weird stuff like have an interactive music video or make a music video where they all murder each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just really cool, uh, cool and thoughtful uh, artistry mm-hmm. that I really like. And then also, you know, you can go check them. They have an audio tree session, which is really good. They also have a tiny desk uh, concert, which is really good. Um, yeah. They're just, they're uh, th- this band, there's a reason why they had the meteor meteoric rise that they did. Uh, it wasn't like they didn't, you know, I don't want to undersell before where I was like, Oh yeah, they just kind of put out an album and then like they did the right things. Um, but it's, it's crazy to see a band come out and come out on the right foot and just continue to run the right path um, without really faltering. Like most, almost all of their, no, I would say all of their music is, you know, even when they're missing the mark a little bit, it's great stuff. You know what I mean? Like, as I said mm-hmm. at the start, it's like this band is fun to listen to. They put out fun videos and thoughtful videos. They are, you know, present. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're phoning anything in ever, which is really great. No. Um, and sometimes with punk bands, you kind of get that. Cause I think that there's like a, uh, as you said, you think punk should be fun. I think there's like a section of punk that they're like, well, I don't want to say it's like laziness, but you know, people are just like, Hey, let's put like, you know, what are we going to do for our merch? Let's just like oversaturate a picture of a cat on a white t-shirt. And what are we going to do for a video? Oh, it's just going to be like us playing in a room. And that's every single video we put out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's laziness, but it's, there's, a lack of like thoughtfulness about the artistry. And I think punk, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, I don't know. Cause like, especially punk, it is such a hard genre to stand out in. Like, and like, especially like you saw it, like when we were talking about the story so far, when the story so far came out, the amount of bands that were story so far ripoffs were, it was fucking insane. Like you could go to any punk show and it was like, Oh, this band just discovered the story so far. That's sick. Cool. Good for them. They'll not exist in six months. And none of those bands exist anymore, or they have fucking just have fallen off like immensely. Like, the thing about bands that like try to ride waves like it usually doesn't work like when a band pops off like two three other bands will pop off like on that wave but it usually you know it doesn't work and especially in punk like it is a very generic genre like it's supposed to be a straightforward genre the thing about punk is it's not supposed to be fucking super there's not supposed to be a lot of thought behind it but and then that's where pop does something different it's like no what if we make fucking punk music and add random oh let's just add a random three four bar and like have a random change and then oh the song's just randomly going to turn into a hardcore song right now and like shit like that and like yeah doing things like that it's like that is so unique and then their use of like gang vocals like they make that a staple of their sound which is already a staple of the punk sound but they've incorporated that to be like that is like pop like when i hear gang like when I don't hear a chord, like a chorus on a pop song and it doesn't have gang vocals, I'm like, that's weird. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
I, I think that, and I think that one of the things, I guess what I was trying to say, it's not like laziness, but I feel like in certain things, in certain kind of strains of punk music, there's like a kind of like, I don't want to say anarchistic apathy, but there's like, uh, oh, like punk is supposed to be just like, as you said, straightforward. Like, it's just like, oh, this is just what it is. It's just punk. And mm-hmm. I think... I think that that time, that era of punk has passed. Um, And, but I see a lot of bands not, my cat is going absolutely crazy. Um, (laughs) I keep uh, looking back thinking it's like one of my cats. No, no, she's just right here beside me. Let's bring her up into the podcast. Come on, Grace. Grace, we're going, it's going to be a cat protocol episode. Yeah. Instead of pup, this is now switched to kitty. This is now switched to cat. We just started talking about Kitty, the fucking female metal band. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that they, uh, that there's a, uh, that time has passed and now like putting a bit of thought and artistry into what you do uh, is, is, is the punk, like having some fun and, and being mm-hmm. willing to kind of be, make fun of yourself and be aware, you know, everything, John, gen- generic conventions change uh, yeah. as music evolves. And I think that, mm-hmm. Pup is a prime example of what you can achieve. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's why I think them and Jeff Rosenstock and his band, Death Rosenstock, are probably my favorite punk bands right now because Jeff Rosenstock, even like he incorporates every because people like punk is such actually punk is like a very vast like genre like there are so many like it incorporates hardcore you know incorporates rock there's blues aspects to it too like if you listen to like old misfits like old misfits like danzig he's singing like elvis like there's a lot like there can it can have like different influences but like you see bands like pop and like jeff rosenstock who are like okay we have this song it's not going to be a full ska song but the verse is going to have very clear ska influence but it's still going to sound like us like it's not going to be like like old punk bands in the 90s it was like okay here's fast intro blah 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 here's the single with the big chorus yeah 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 here's our uh throwaway ska song acoustic song blah 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 okay there's 12 songs that's an album like that was like kind of how yeah, punk and that's was what and I, like that's what i was talking about but i, I wanted mm-hmm. to because because you said it that's why i said in certain veins of punk because it, it is really vast especially after the kind of like punk and alternative explosion of the like 2000s where like mm-hmm. indie rock and indie punk and punk and folk and all that stuff kind of like exploded outwards. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do well, like, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, like, like, um, like a uh, band, like who tours with uh pop, uh, pew, 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 literally that's the band name. Pew, 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 pew times three. And like, they like, you know, saw like mid 20 skateboarder probably from Tony Hawk. Right. Like, yeah. And like them, they kind of like their songs, they have the big chanty sort of sing along choruses that like became popular, like in the 2010s, like bands like Colorado, you know, all the fucking Dodge truck and like beer commercial rock bands, that genre, like pew, 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 they kind of took that, but then incorporated it with like pop punk, like skate punk. And like, that's like really cool. So there's like a lot of like, sort of like chanty sing along parts. And like, so like, punk can be really cool and it can take but yeah no there are it does get a bad rep for just being lazy but like when you 
incorporate other influences in the punk it can be so fucking cool and that's why like i that's why when bands are like we're a pop punk band that just listens to pop punk it's like okay you're gonna suck but if you're like (laughs) oh we're like like you know like if we were like oh let's like not saying it'd be good but if we were like yo let's do like some sort of like weird electronic influenced punk band or something not saying it'd be good but it'd definitely be different and me and you have a decent background in electronic and hip-hop and punk to make it happen not saying it'd be good but it'd be fucking different yeah and i think that again that's what i was saying about the thoughtfulness and, and artistry that like I think that that's in in the world of in post genre world, which is yeah, what yeah. we're really getting to. And this mm-hmm. is something we yeah, talked about, or like post yeah post genre post modern genre. Like genres are really blended now. Like mm. I don't know. Like what do, what does pop really mean at this point? Is, yeah. Does pop is pop a genre or does pop just encapsulate popular music? Because Kendrick Lamar he's putting out quote unquote pop albums, but. To Pimp a Butterfly is not a quote-unquote pop, pop album, album yeah. but he's a pop artist. You and, know what I mean? But, but in the in and I think that's the thing is that in the in the in the age of the post, which is this is something we've talked about a couple times mm-hmm. over the past couple of years of doing the podcast, that yeah. like you know now being willing to experiment and sh- and 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 kind of uh, uh, reconstruct your influences and reconstruct the sounds that you like in through your own voice. Again, we're going back to what we said at the start about pop being a band with a very distinct voice um, is, is such a, a, a kind of my cat is just going absolutely hard. Um, it's Man, just she's such, got some big opinions on. Yeah. She's got big opinions. Um, uh, it's got, it's kind of like a, a, you know, ace in the hole, you know, it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. a, 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 a open all doors key. Um, and we're seeing more and more of that where we're seeing kind of cross genre or like bands that don't conform to one idea of genre. And, um, I think that pop is a prime example of, of kind of that post modern genre pastiche that's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do it so well and it's just being consistently good because, and, and if you go back to, as we said, to their first albums, um, like the self-titled first album is a pop album, but it is very much uh, not as... Yeah, it's a band in their like infant stage. It's like, okay, you see, it's like, okay, you, there's seeds of what the band is going to be. Like all the elements are there, but the dream is over. It's like they come into full form. And then from then on, it's just like, it's just rock mode. And yeah. then now they're like, okay, fuck that. Let's switch it up. Let's just blend let's their new album i would say is best described it's taking their sound and throwing it into a blender and being like let's fucking really shake it up because there's there's like saxophone solos and then there's like a weird yeah there's uh, that yeah the one song goes into a fucking freeform jazz section it's like what well wait what (laughs) and then the there's another one um i forget which song it was um it's on the second yeah. it's in the later half of the album they have because the mm-hmm. first like totally fine robot light writes a love song matilda um and and four chords are very very like standard pop songs but as the album mm-hmm. goes on it becomes more like what the hell is happening and there's one song in the second half where they have like an in the intro it might be waiting i'm, I, I'm gonna just play this no not waiting 
no waiting has waiting the strange thing about waiting is and this is a strange thing about uh the unraveling of pop the band is they experiment with guitar tones a lot and when i first heard waiting they originally released it as like one of the first singles for the album i fucking hated the guitar tone like the distortion sounded like guitar pro like you remember when i would do old fucking lean gretzky demos and seance choir demos in guitar pro and it was like annoying to listen to yeah. but you just had to listen to just be like okay i get the gist of the song and but that's like i know this will sound better once we actually play it with a real guitar but for some reason that guitar and that song just sounded like shitty midi guitar but now like i've grown to like it a lot and now the whole album each song has a different sound to it like now I'm noticing there's some snare sounds on different songs, which I think it's not. I think it might be an electric snare. I'm not sure. There's a lot of different production on their latest album. And like today, I uh, this post, or maybe it was the band. They posted something on Instagram showing how they did the one part in the final song on the album how they got it to like sound like crazy fuzzy and stuff is that they actually like recorded the vocals through a monitor instead of recording it, you know, through the mixer and like, you know, just trying different things. Cause like, yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's a, that's a thing that like, again, thinking about, you know, the um, curation and the arrangement and, and the way that the album is, it's a narrative of a band uh, unraveling through not just through lyrics but through the actual choices that they make because after you get to like past the first because four chords is kind of like the introduction totally fine robot writes a love song matilda they're all really like they're all very quintessential pop sounding songs but then yeah. as you get further into it, like waiting, as you said, has that weird guitar tone. It was habits that I was thinking of that has that like 20 second, 30 second intro, like electronica inter like or introduction yeah. where it's just like all of a sudden there's a, that like we, it sounds like MIDI again, sounds like weird MIDI fuzzy guitar with the weird uh, like drum pad drums and but it still yeah. sounds very much like pop and then even in waiting like once you get past the the intro and the first verse and it gets into the chorus the guitar's tones change a bit and it turns into yeah. a soaring chorus of uh and and it's bouncy and it's fun like they're still very much pop but as it goes on they're starting they're kind of throwing things at the wall to see what sounds cool and see what sticks and i was the same way where i listened to it the first time coming back from pennsylvania and as the album went on i was like what is happening and i was like i'm not sure if i like this like there's there's some moments in there where I was like, I don't really understand now. Also, mind you, I was focusing on driving, not listening. So then yeah. when I went back and listened to it again, when I was just listening to it, I started noticing the nuances and the, the, the choices that they're making and how as the album goes on, the songs get a little bit more wild and suddenly mm -hmm. there's a saxophone jazz part and suddenly there's this weird kind of electronic midi pop punk intro and all these things that are happening and i was like oh this is literally like this the sound this is the unraveling the ra yeah. yeah the sounds are following the narrative of the album the store the concept and then mm -hmm. i was like this is genius this is like yeah. such smart songwriting um 
And so now I, I do, I do really like it. I wouldn't yeah. put it in the top. I still think the dream is over is my favorite pop album. Um, yeah. Uh, the dream is over and stuff. They're like a, like, that's like a fucking double features. Like yeah. for me, like if I listen to one of those albums, I, I'm, probably going to listen if i listen to the dream is over i'm listening to morbid stuff next and if i decide to listen to morbid stuff i'm going to listen to the dream is over like yeah if i listen to one of those albums i'm listening to the other as well like they fit so together like they just flow so perfectly together like and like even the way the dream is over like you said it perfectly with the latest album they know how to curate an album like if this tour doesn't kill you is a perfect intro song like 100 the slow intro it builds it builds it builds and then having dvp follow up perfect and then the end i think the last song's pine point which is sort of like a really dark sort of brooding song which like they have a they have like a reoccurring thing which they have like songs about like very specific canadian things and like they talk about like sort of like dark parts and like in Canadian history kind of like, I think I read a thing where he's saying he used to watch um, old Canadian documentaries. So like songs like um, Pine Point and um, uh, uh, there's other songs like, but anyways, he's like written them about it. And so, but like putting it at the end of the album, it makes so much sense. And so with that album, with the latest album, yeah, putting like the wilder stuff at the end makes more sense. If you're calling an album the unraveling, it wouldn't make sense to have craziness at first and then have it progressively get lighter and lighter. Yeah. So it makes sense that the straightforward songs are at first and then it goes batshit crazy by the end. Um uh and yeah. even even the their EP, This Place Sucks Ass, like it's it's um you know, it it's a very um very similar themes it's a kind of kind of like a post note to the the double feature of dvp and morbid stuff and it's got some more heavier stuff too which is the, like that song edmonton at the end of that album is is crazy like it this it's just yeah. bass heavy like fast it's just and so then cool. uh nothing changes on that album it has one of the best like just shifts in songs like it starts off like a pretty just sort of normal not like super fast but like you know pretty heavy sort of song but then it's like the second half of the song like breaks down and then ends with like a big sort of like chorus epic like sing-along part and that's like just one of my favorite pop songs ever and then their cover of am 180 is i think one of my favorite cover songs that song is also just one of my favorite songs ever since there's the scene in 28 Days Later where they go grocery shopping and the song AM 180 by Granddaddy plays like do, 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 do. Yeah, I remember. Pop's version of that song is fucking like perfect. Like that lead guitar, like that doing that part as a lead guitar melody, it's like such a pop melody. Like they have like such weird, they have a weird guitar style. Like they're, Rhythm guitar is very straightforward chords, but their lead guitar always just does like slightly, you know, just, he has that sort of jazz flair and that AM 180, just the progression of that is just such like that song was meant to be a pop song. So when I like when they covered it, I was like, this is perfect. This is my 
new favorite song. It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, and it's it's the thing about them is that they're able to like kind of marry things that shouldn't really be married. Like you think mm-hmm. about the song Anaphylaxis, like the it, the actual intro to that song sounds like the start of like a Norma Jean song. Where it's like Yeah, it's fucking heavy. Like and then all of a sudden it's like it sounds like it's going to go into like a fucking huge breakdown yeah and then it's but then all of a sudden it subverts your expectations and goes into like this chanty kind of like aggressive skate punk song like it's it's Mm -hmm. so wild they're just so wild and yeah and it's literally about being like stung by a bee literally going into anaphylaxis like yeah that's the thing like he's literally allergic and that song is about that and like I don't know. I, I I just love their songwriting. Like I every time I listen to it and like I pick something up where I'm like eventually I figure out I'm like is he is this song about this? And then I there's so many times where I've had this realization. Like the day I realized Sleep in the Heat was about a lizard dying, I was like, "Oh shit." That's yeah. like I, for the longest time I was like this is about an animal dying. But the day I nailed it down, I was like, oh, this is 100% a lizard. I finally fucking pieced it together one day while at work. And I was just like, fuck, I love it. But yeah, no, I've had that moment for multiple songs that like by them where I've just, where it's just like hit me moment. It just like clicked. And I was just like, fuck, this song is now 50 times better. Like yeah. it was already good. But like, I just had that moment of like, oh shit, I got it. Like, I don't know. There's a, yeah, they're just, it's really smart, smartly written. And also like to go back to what we said, they, you know, the, the lyrical content is, is both very personal, but also like, it's really applicable. Like the song anaphylaxis, it's about him getting stung by a bee and realizing he is anaphylactic shock. But like, when you listen to it, there's certain lines in it and certain things that he says that you can like kind of apply to anything which is just so like, it's something that I've said time and time again, when it comes to songwriting, you want to write something that's very personal and individual, but also be able to have moments of like uh, things, the world being um, the, the kind of tone or, or not tone, the kind of overall theme or emotion is accessible. So it's like, you want, you want to walk that line between being very, you know, personal to yourself, but also, you know, open to other people's yeah. interpretations, which is, yeah. they just do so well. It's just so beautifully done on and throughout their yeah, discography. Art sucks when somebody's just like, no, it means this, and this is what it is, and it means nothing. It, this is what it is. And like, things suck when you say, like, when it's like that. And it's just like, it's fun to like write something that is a, clearly about something, but then like, yeah, add in lines that could be like, this could be vaguely interpreted as something else. And like, you know, this fear of being stung by a bee, maybe you could apply this like press lines where you can then apply it to different fears. Like that's, that's just being a good writer and a good artist. Like that's, and then being like accessible. Cause like, if you try to be, too specific and then whatever you're just going to end up being super niche and like unless that's like what you want to be but like but even then even then it's like i find it hard to if you're doing something that's so specific it's hard like i i find myself emotionally connecting with music and i enjoy it more so if it's something mm -hmm. that's so specific that it's like i can't connect to it 
and the music yeah. doesn't rise. Like there are instances where bands are niche and the music rises, like the actual musicianship rises to uh, kind of convey the emotion that they need to convey that I might not understand or the idea that mm-hmm. I might not understand. But there's a lot of bands that are niche bands that are like, we're writing this song about, you know, this. Yeah. This like, like the misfits, like all their songs are like horror movies. Like it's all about murdering. And like my favorite song hybrid moments is about like getting raped by an alien. And I was singing <laughs> the lyrics out loud uh, or no, it's the lyrics to last caressed. Um, the lyrics are like, I got something to say. Dun, dun. I raped your mother today. That Those are the lyrics. And I was singing that out loud. And Pear was like, what the fuck are you singing? I was like, the Misfits. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's probably, you know, I probably shouldn't <laughs> sing. I- I'm going to rape you today out loud. Yeah, that's, but that's it's not something. Fucking that... Last Caress is like the catchiest song ever. And it's so catchy. You forget they're singing about like horror movies and shit. Yeah. And that's their whole aesthetic. And then it's like, ah, yeah, I guess. I can't really interpret Last Caress for anything else other than this is clearly about a horror movie or yeah. the song Return of the Fly. It is about the movie, The Return of the Fly. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, There's, you but, can't interpret that for anything else. <laughs> but sometimes the music rises to to the actual musician music, musicianship yeah. rises to and musicality rises to um, kind of fill that void. But I know there are some bands that are like, uh, I forget what band it was. There was some hardcore band that I was like, I checked out and they were, their entire thing was that they were, it was kind of like Coheed and Cambria where they were making, trying to make this like kind oh, of it's world. like space opera. Yeah. Like there's like whole concept and behind was, it. And yeah, I yeah. was like, it's cool, but the music doesn't rise to the nicheness of this, of what you're doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Coheed and Cambria works because they're all like insane musicians. Yeah, they have that, like, their sound is big. Like, they have a big arena rock sound, and they've, like, incorporated, like, this, like, uh, yeah, like, Coheed and Cambria, like, you can pick, like, you their music is suitable for, like, the sci-fi, like, fantastical elements of their songs. Like, it makes sense. Like, and then, like, or, like, some, like, a band, Canadian band, Protest the Hero, like, when they have big, like, their concept album, like big epic like they wrote like fortress is about like gods like gaia and shit like that and like their music is so big and like so fucking expansive that it's like yeah this this fits like a concept album about gods fits sense because like they're playing the fucking music of gods like the way they play fucking guitar like yeah yeah, this sounds like fucking zeus shredding like hell yeah that's a good example too because like you know you with them it's it's I just, that made me think of the intro to Sequoia Throne, which is like one of the sickest yeah. intros. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. no, that it can be a real, um, if you're going very, very niche and, and you're kind of foregoing, uh, putting the kind of uh, emotional cues and stuff like that, it can go very, very wrong. Like if you're, if you're like, we're going to mm-hmm. sing about this, this story um and and we're gonna give no it's gonna be very dense and very niche it can go really wrong um mm-hmm. but it could also if the musicality rises to the occasion and you're able to kind of convey uh certain f- emotions or kind of it's almost like operatic you know what i mean where yeah. it's like you you're you're conveying kind of 
emotions through through something that people might not exactly understand like um uh protest the hero is a great example like the song blindfolds aside aside Mm -hmm. like the actual content of kazaya that album is like it's like a hundred percent a concepts album about like war and uh and all that stuff somebody being executed yeah but that but the that the turn in that song where it suddenly changes to that kind of um uh rolling you know the thing i didn't care for the thing that pay my and they have the the guitars that suddenly kind of turn upwards and it's very you know like they kind of direct your experience and it it's in lockstep the lyrics in the and the music are in lockstep um but then there are other bands which i'm not gonna like i don't want to go through names but there are other bands where it's like you're listening to it and you're like what are they talking about why is the music like this it doesn't make sense i mean the best, the absolute best example I can think of um, a band doing it to perfection is the album Colors by Between the Buried and Me. Oh, yeah. Like that yeah. album has every genre on it. Like there's like, there's a fucking like pirate fucking part in it. And it's like, and he starts singing like a pirate and like it sounds like a, there's a bluegrass part where he starts singing like there's metal parts and then like there's epic like that that album so and then the fact that the album is written as one continuous song like that's fucking insane like that is that's like such an ambitious thing but like that's the thing like you that the musicianship of that band's like on another level and it's like it's cool like i don't know like pops doing that but like on a much much smaller scale and much within their realm of doability as a band like you know i'm not expecting pop to go and do like this crazy grandiose opera operatic album that covers the fucking history of music like no but like between the barrier to me being probably one of the most talented collections of musicians in a band like every single member of that band is more talented than me at whatever instrument they want to be like that band is fucking insane but like pop is doing that is doing that same concept of being like let's do everything we possibly can but we're doing it as pop and so the they get sounds from everywhere so like yeah, like you go through pop uh, discography and you can find so many different sounds and so many different influences. And like, I was listening to a thing, like a drum playthrough and like their drummer saying, oh yeah, I stole this from Bad Religion. Yeah. If you, I would have never assumed Bad Religion would have been a pop, like a pop influence. Like, yeah, Bad Religion's a fucking goaded punk band, obviously fucking legends. But like, I, well, I don't listen to pop and think Bad Religion but their yeah. drummer's like, yeah, I ripped off Bad Religion. I'm like, that's so fucking, I would have never fucking known that. But like, you know, just things like that. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, that was a long ramble. No, it's all good. Um, it's 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 very much them interpreting these things through their own uh, filter. It's them taking their influences and kind of reinterpreting them and, and reconstructing them through the filter of Pup the Band, which is, again, uh, in- incredible thing to witness. I love what, to see art artists do that because the idea that everything is completely unique without influence is not real. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just like, there's no, it, art doesn't work that way. You know, we're all influenced and touched by the things that we 
uh, consume the art that we take part in or consume it throughout our lives. And that, it, that whether you subconsciously or consciously plays a role in, in kind of directing you, but it's, it's harnessing that and then finding your own voice to filter your influences through. And I think that pop with the unraveling of pop, the band, they are going for a, a more kind of uh, conceptual experience, but it's all through the filter of their own lives. And, um, and, and, you know, Babcock, he sings about things that are kind of universal feelings, but then he peppers in his own references and personal stories and anecdotes and everything. And then it comes out as something that's very individual to him, but it's accessible to everybody and the musicianship rises to it as we're talking about. So overall, you know, this band rules. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's great to see a Canadian, uh, a, a punk band doing so well. Um, and I just, I go stream the unraveling of pup, the band stream, uh, um, you know, the dreams over stream, uh, morbid stuff, check out their first album. They're just fantastic. Um, Oh yeah. I don't know if we want to touch on anything else. Have we, what, what are you thinking? Uh, no, we touched on music videos, lyrics. No, I think we touched like, Oh, and, and just get, go listen to pop. Really. Yeah, they're and the music is sick. As we've said, yeah, it's obviously. fantastic to listen to. The guitar work is great. The drumming is great. They throw in these little jazzy flourishes, or they oh pull yeah, in that's different... the thing I gotta say. The drumming on the dream is over, and morbid stuff is so fucking good. Like, um, I mentioned this on a story so far. Uh, how the drumming on their self-titled album like was one of my most air drummed albums it was that album and the dream is over by pup it was either those two one of those two albums i was air drumming on a bus somewhere in kw getting probably weird looks like fucking uh um what is it my life is i I hate myself and whatever the fuck the song like the one that starts off the I don't know. There's just so uh, many sick drum fills and drum parts. Is like that, um, uh, oh my God, what's the name of that song? My Life is Over and I Couldn't Be Happier? Is yes, that, that song. Yeah. It's with the drum fill right at the beginning. It was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, they, I, I love the, Pop. Um, I really need to see them live. Um, yeah, if I had a car, I would just uh, drive to the show next month. But um, hey, if somebody wants to give me a ride, what up? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, they're fa- this th- this band is 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 killer musically. Like the musicality of them is great. The songwriting, the the curation and the arrangement and the and the way that they put their albums together, excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, and you know what? I I would again, I would recommend that you listen to the Dream Is Over first, uh, because that to me is like that and morbid stuff i'm agree in agreement with uh uh otis that those two are like it's like a double feature of bangers um but the dream yeah. is over for me is really like that's like a quintessential album in my life uh the unraveling of pup the band is great but it's kind of like the post note uh, not post note but it's like um it's kind of like what comes after uh, uh, the dream is over and morbid stuff. And, and it, yeah, you know, they, it, they made their sound like they 
they came up with a sound and they perfected it over in three albums. They managed to perfect a sound. So yeah, you know, it, to just keep doing that sound would be redundant and boring. So it makes sense that now they're like, "Fuck it, we're going to experiment." But they're still pop and yeah. they're it's, still great. They're still catchy as fuck. Their choruses are still big as fuck. Still catchy. Still, you want to sing them. They're still funny and. Yeah, the, on the music, they're insanely technical for a yeah. pop punk band. For like insanely band, for technical, band, like yeah. it's crazy. So, and also, you know, another good the 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 real kind of post note of the dream is over and morbid stuff would be this place sucks ass, which is where you start seeing them kind of explore a couple different t- sounds. There's like some more bass, uh, bass driven stuff, and there's some like weird more weird transitions and incorporations of more aggressive punk stuff. But then there's also the granddaddy cover and the it, it's just really cool. And then you get into the unraveling and the unraveling is like, uh, it's very much like a conceptual album, but it, as you said, it's still very much pop. You got all the stuff and their first album is great for, for a debut album. It's really great. It is a little bit more straightforward. The dream is over is where they kind of caught their stride in our opinions. Um, but the first album for a first album is excellent. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, they're just a great Canadian punk band, pop punk, emo, whatever you want to call them, uh, emo punk. There's, they're, they kind of, as we said, they, they're a little bit chameleon, uh, like in the way that they, uh, in their songwriting and you get on albums, you get fat, like kind of big sweeping ballads and the kind of fast pop punk, punky songs with the big choruses and everything is they're just great they're, they 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 transition from all different types of stuff they're fun to mm-hmm. they transition from all different types of stuff to other things that you won't expect that's what i was trying to say and mm. and they incorporate a lot of cool influences and they do it really well songwriting top notch everything top notch can't say enough good things about pup we love pup and uh i think that's pretty much it um, that's pup that's, uh, that's pop. Pro- yeah, that's pop. That's pretty much pop. If you're not that's what's up with pop. If you're not listening to pop, then uh, and you like punk music and you don't really know them, get get your head get your head out of the clouds. Put yeah. put play, listen to some listen to some good old Canadian uh, punk music. Pop mm-hmm. pop punk. I didn't mean to say that, but that works. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess that's about it uh, mm-hmm. for for pop. I don't know if we have any. Do we have any other things going on? Is there another uh, new uh, music? How's, how's your week been? Um, my week has been good. I went down to Pennsylvania to visit Megan and that was really great on the weekend last weekend. And, um, it was, uh, it was a bit too short. One thing I realized is that, uh, the United States, they love their like novelty restaurants. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, we have some stuff like that here, but there we were driving around and, uh, we, 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 we just kept passing by diners that were novelty diners. And I just thought, why are there so many novelty diners? There's like a diner called the Pied Piper. That's like a castle. And then there was another one called like Chrome America, which was all these old cars. And then the diner itself was Chrome. And I, I, we just kept passing by the, and they're in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, why, who goes to these? Like, we're not even in a hmm. touristy area. We're just in like some rural back road in Pennsylvania. Why are these here? But they're everywhere. They just love their novelty restaurants. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know, man. Novelty. I don't know. I don't know. I've I've never been to one. I want to like. 
I want to go to like one of those really stupid like like uh, like a restaurant in like um a well I guess like a fucking Disney World like restaurant like go to like one of the Star Wars places and like eat like Star Wars food like it seems it's looks like one of the dumbest things of all time and I just like I want to hate it I want to hate it but like part of me is like you know what maybe. Maybe this is it. Maybe that's what happiness is. It's just happiness is a novelty restaurant eating some dumb thing that like somebody made up. Like, I don't know. Like going to like the medieval times, that's something I want to do. Like, I don't know why. It seems like a terrible time. It seems like a waste of money. I don't think the turkey leg's going to be good. It's probably going to be dry as shit and suck. I'll probably have explosive diarrhea the next day but for some reason i just want to do it hey, the man. novelty of thinking i'm a king for a second maybe uh i've know. been to the to the um a couple different uh, uh novelty restaurants in myrtle beach and other places in the states and it's fine it's fun it's it's good like it's there's something to it you know but i just don't understand why there's so many that's why i was yeah like, why is yeah. there so many um, I yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, in the middle of PA. That's not like tourist area. Like, yeah, and like they're down all on the same. There's like Myrtle six. Beach. Like, that makes sense. That's like, oh, hey, this is the 50s diner. This is the 60s diner. And then this is the whatever. This is the fucking electric boogaloo diner. I don't know. Like, it yeah, makes I, sense in like a beachy. You see them a lot in like beachy areas. Like, if you go, where was I? Some one of the points in ontario there's so many of them and they're all equally as forgettable but they have a lot of those too yeah where it's like come to our tiki bar it's like yeah tiki bar in canada that's not fucking forced at all like <laughs> fuck off like, fucking tiki bar are you serious dude uh yeah. yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know um but it was or like good. cabana was- bars i hate that shit like seeing a cabana bar in canada it's like I get it. I get it. There's a lot of, you know, South American people and, you know, we get a lot of people like there's a lot of people from that. But seeing a cabana bar behind two feet of snow. Yeah. Pretty fucking funny. Like just that visual kind of fucking funny. Yeah. It's uh, it's, you know, every everywhere has got its its weirdness. I mean, especially here in uh in in our region because of all the universities that we've seen some pretty like insane bar ideas pop up that have fallen fairly yeah. quickly um probably were money money laundering uh, uh places but um oh guaranteed yeah guaranteed. but, but um, 100 percent money laundering yeah. um but uh but you know like i don't know but it was good it was nice to get out of canada it was nice to go down and see her see her family um, I, I don't even know. I feel like what else came out on April 1st? There was, there has to be some stuff. Oh, you know what I did do? I did watch. Finally, I watched the, the, the new matrix movie. Uh, and I, I got some gripes. I, well, I'm, I'm okay. So here's the thing. Okay. Gripe me. Um, uh, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, it's a little bit too meta. Like it's, it's, it, it was smartly written. In, but like, I mean, the ending of it, like they should have, okay, here's my opinion. They should have made that movie into two movies. I feel like they spent so much time in the first half of it explaining how it could be that this is the case. 
like explaining how it is that 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 Neo is still alive and Trinity is still alive and explaining how the Matrix was remade and how now the Matrix is more of a commentary on social media, which is kind of tongue like or kind of ham fisted. Um, but it was also smartly written like it, 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 it. I watched it and half of me was like, I like what they're doing. And then the other half was like, this is insane. I don't know if I like it. I should I don't know if I want to keep watching it. And I, but I watched it all the way through and it was fine. Um, it, I would say that it was better than the, the s- sequels to the first movie because it was actually had kind of a point and they had, you know, they were, there were certain things that they expanded upon that they never expanded upon before. And I liked certain parts of it. I liked some of the writing, but I also felt like this was kind of like everything was pushed there was so much being pushed into it and the writings, the like actual dialogue suffered sometimes because of it, because they had to have a lot of exposition. They had a lot of talking about things that were going on and explaining how some people were the same people. And then some people were the same characters in different bodies and they were explaining. And it was just a lot of it with the first, like half of the movie is kind of that. And then you get to the second half and they have to kind of check everything off quickly. So that you're there, they kind of cut away certain things that would make it make more sense or make it flow a bit better. And then you get to the end and the ending is just kind of anticlimactic. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, man, like I know you don't like the matrix movies. Um, and so you're never going to watch it, but um, I mean, the way you just explained it, that's everything. I, that's how I've always felt about the original ones. It's been movies that are pretending to be way smarter than they ever are. And the fact is the movies now only are good because people have just hammed their own bullshit belief system into the movie. Um, like yeah well i mean uh, everyone movie- being like oh this is alleg- whatever now it's like whatever okay it was a mediocre movie to begin with and now you're just drawing mediocre allegories from a mediocre movie anyway the fact of the matter is only one of the wachowskis makes films anymore the other one's a pay pig that spends all their money on dumbs and subs I'm not going to go into that, but that is a real thing. And that's why only one of them is credited on it. I'm pretty, I don't remember which one. It's but. Lana, Lana Wachowski. Um, um, I think but, my, my thing is know. that the first, okay. So here's my opinion is that the first, the first matrix movie is a decent movie. It is uh, steals a lot of stuff from other movies <laughs> ghost in the shell <laughs> um uh, just uh, anime in general yeah it steals a bunch just, of stuff from- hey this is 1998 people aren't fully obsessed with anime let's just rip it off yeah then, there's there's some yeah. st- there's some some kind of blatant rips but you know what i mean like the first movie it was a cool kind of like you know the bullet time stuff that they did was really cool the the story and the idea of like you know living within a simulation was nobody had really talked about that in movies it's now of course you know the matrix being the matrix yeah it's well the thing is westworld the original westworld came out in the 70s and kind of like had done it but yes the matrix like the whole you know simulation thing like it had been done before but i think the matrix the Matrix, stylistically, the, that's the thing. The Matrix 
stylistically, it's fantastic. It is a very cool, very well-made movie. It's just, it's a smart movie for dumb people. Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing is that, like, there's a lot that you can talk about in it, like the philosophies of it and stuff. Like, I think that there is stuff there, but I think people it became this kind of bastion of science fiction and commentary on the modern world and blah, 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 blah. And then they had the sequels, which were like, kind of didn't make sense. And they had all these things. And it was just kind of like people threw money at them. and was like, come up with an idea for how this ends. And they just mm-hmm. were like, okay, so, you know, there's like a guy who can go through doors with a key. And then there's the architect who's just going to talk to him in riddles. And then, oh, the Oracle is a different person, but then it's the same person and Agent Smith is Neo, but Neo is Agent Smith and blah, 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 blah. And they add all these things to it and it became very convoluted. Now, the, the sequels, they had some cool stylistic things like the fight with the Merovingians, um, goons in the room with all the swords on the wall and stuff like that, like really cool action set pieces and stuff. But as far as plot and dialogue and everything, it just kind of went meh. You know, as the further the further you get in the sequels, they're kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. But the first well, that's one the thing, was, and I forget what we were talking about was, but with sci-fi, the further you back and where you reveal, the dumber it gets. Like, if the Matrix, if they just did the first movie and left it at that, that would be a great movie. But the yeah. fact is they went and ruined it with the next two. Like, <laughs> yeah. The next two are so, so just bad. It's just campy. And the fact and is the it should have been one movie, but money and the studio was like, no, we got to do three because trilogy three, three, three. No, they should have just did what they originally wanted. The Matrix, the Matrix, whatever. And then the Animatrix. Yeah. That would have been a perfect series. Three three unique like the matrix could have been its own thing the second one could have been that really goes off the rails and then the animated one would have been like cool here's all these cool action things that we couldn't do because it's physically impossible to do in real life yeah, the animatrix is sick like yeah the <laughs> animatrix is sick like i actually that's probably my favorite out of the three because it's it's like yes here's our influences fucking japanese anime and like sci-fi and yeah. it's just like I think it works as an animated series. I think, I don't know. There's, there's don't know. A, the Matrix, the, like, I don't know. The Matrix, there are things great about the Matrix, but like, I don't know. I hate the fact that like red and blue pill is now like a pop culture thing. I'm like, seriously, like that's, I don't know. Yeah. There's just, there's just, I just don't like it. There's just a lot of, like I said, it became this kind of like bastion pinnacle, cultural movement thing and a lot of people went back and like ascribed it's like this own. thing like the word stan becoming a thing it's like you're you're calling yourself a guy that is going to murder his white pregnant wife like that's what you're referring yourself to and then being like oh i'm red or blue pilled it's like you're saying that you're a man it's like what like I don't know. I don't yeah. there's like just, people there's a comparing lot of, themselves to like these characters. It's like, are you stupid? And like, then, and then also uh, there's, you know, people now go back and, and apply kind of like retroactively apply modern kind of strands of cultural and anthropological and philosophical thought to the matrix. And yeah. I'm not going to get into that because no, but that's what you're saying. Like we're talking about, you know, how, how, th- how it kind of became insufferable. Right. Like the Matrix, the first yeah. Matrix is a good movie. 
you know. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, it is. It's um, better than decent. But then you have the sequels, which kind of turned it into this kind of campy superhero, like you know, wacky fest of let's see, throw as many wild and weird things as we can in. And it doesn't really make sense. And some of the, the dialogue isn't good. There's really cool things that they do. There's certain fight scenes or certain, you know, stylistic choices or creative direction. That's really cool, but they're just not as good as the first one. And they don't, they're not as satisfying, but, Mm -hmm. but then the new one, I think is a really smart way to spin it, but they just take so long getting the wheels moving that by the time you get to be about halfway through the movie, the first half is very tongue in cheek, very self-referential, very meta, very blah, blah, blah. And then you get into the second half where they actually have to do the stuff to, to do, to, to actually resolve the conflict. And it just kind of the pacing fails. There's certain writing issues that come up. It just, it seems like they took out certain parts like scenes or, or storylines that would have made sense. Um, and the final battle isn't, it, it kind of feels anticlimactically. You don't even realize that it's starting when it starts. And then you're like, Oh, this is the final battle. How did we get here? What's going on? And then they beat defeat the big bad guy by just showing up at his house and kicking him in the face. Like that's literally the end. And then they fly away. I'm like, what is going on here? Like the, it was, it's just kind of anticlimactic, kind of weird, kind of, you don't really understand why the bad guy is doing it. But then the ideas that they have about, like they talk a lot about reboots and sequels and all this stuff. And and it's, it's very smart writing if a bit too ham fisted, but there's a lot of kind of cool stuff in there. So it's kind of like, if you like the first matrix, it's kind of worth a watch, but it's also kind of like, so so out there and in your face that it it might also grate on people. I don't know. I was very conflicted. I watched it and part of me was like, huh, this is fun. And then another part of me was like, uh, I don't know about this. Like it, it, it just walks this really weird line. I'm going to have to watch it again in a couple months to see what I really think about it. But I don't know. It was a weird experience. I was like this, the first half I was like, this movie's insane. And I was like, will it, will it redeem itself? Will it rise to the insanity? And then it kind of doesn't. And that's the thing Mm. where I was like, this kind of falls flat in the second half, especially right as we get, you get closer to the end. Um, It starts unraveling a little bit and it's anticlimactic. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I don't know. Well done. Um, I have a semi follow-up um to uh the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um go off King. kind of. Uh so as you know, a couple weeks ago I went off how the latest Texas Chainsaw Massacre was quite possibly the worst slasher movie I've ever seen. Well now I I have found the movie that is the the flip side to that coin. Um uh, last week, I went to The Princess. Um, movie theaters are back open, and they're showing a bunch of stuff. So I've seen The Batman recently. I um, I was going to go see The Godfather on my birthday, but I didn't because it's the 50th anniversary of The Godfather. So some theaters are playing it. So check your local listings. You might be able to go see The Godfather. A lot of people are doing a 4K 50th anniversary screening. That's fucking sick. So go check that out if you can. And some theaters may have this movie. Um, 
probably one of the best slasher movies I've seen in recent memories. Um, Ty West's X. Oh uh, yeah, I've heard nothing. This movie's good so fucking good, dude. It is everything I wish wish the Texas Chainsaw Mas- Massacre was. Um, it's, it's firstly, it's it's set in Texas. It's set in the seventies. It's an homage to slasher films from the seventies and eighties. It has one of the most fucked up scenes I've ever seen. It's not even a kill. It's not even violence. It is so fucked. It's a sex scene, but it's the most fucked up sex scene ever. It's between two alive people that are willing, but it's so gross and disgusting. Um, it, once you see the movie, you'll probably clue into what it's going to happen. But yeah, no, it's about, uh, you know, uh, this small production crew. They try they rent this uh, uh, house on a farmland and they're making a porno. And it stars uh, Kid Cudi and uh, Mia Goth, um, Jenna Ortega, a bunch of other people. A24 film, you know, um, A24, you know, they're just killing it recently, which is funny. Um, I actually saw a dude do the meme of whispering in the girl's ear. I saw a dude do that with A24. He was literally <laughs> talking about the witch. I was like, yeah, you know, this is a, he had a tattoo of the witch. And he was like, yeah, this is a tattoo from the witch. And, you know, it's really cool. Yeah, they do. It, it's an A24 film. Oh, you don't know A24? Well, they do a bunch of movies. It's like abrasive. And, and the girl literally walked away. Funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that shit was so fucking funny. But yeah, no, X A24 film. And just if you like 70s slashers like that, it's a good, it's so good. It's a good throwback to those movies while also being like, yeah, it's like, it's, I don't know. It was just a nice, I think after watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think my fucking just expectations for slasher movies where it's just like, if, if it's, if it, if I can watch it, that's good, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, X is fantastic. And then I also watched a movie, um, a Lars von Trier movie that I've been a meaning to watch a long time. Um, the House That Jack Built. I think it's the most recent movie he's done. It yeah. came out in 2018. But starring Matt Dillon as a serial killer. And the concept is he's a, co- he's a serial killer pleading his case as he's going to hell. So like his retelling of these murders are like really fucked up because they're from his perspective. So he's like telling these stories gleefully and it has one of the most fucked up murders I've ever seen in a murder uh, in a, in a movie ever. Um, I will trigger warning. It is a child murder and it is fucked up. It is so fucked up. And yeah, didn't it that movie get, fucked up. Didn't that movie get a lot of like pushback because of that specific scene? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched the director's cut and the only difference between the director's cut and the non-director's cut is like 30 seconds. And I assume it's that scene. Um, yeah. The guy. Yeah. He it's fucked up, dude. Like it. Okay. So he takes a family and he's teaching this family how to hunt. And then basically he sets them loose and then just hunts them. And you see like the kids like leg get blown off by the rifle. It's so fucked up. Like it's, it's, it's special effects, but dude, it's fucked up. It's Lars von Trier. Like I didn't think Lars von Trier could get more fucked up than what's her face mutilating her own pussy in antichrist. Yeah. Or like watching a, 
a fawn dying as its birth. Like the I don't how Lars von Trier managed to constantly make movies more fucked up than his last movie. I, that man, somebody check on that man. Yeah, I don't know. Please, like there are some filmmakers <laughs> that need like I I want to like I need mental health updates. Lars von Trier. Ari Aster, I need to know how these men are doing. Um, because if they're not well, lock them up, please. Please lock these men up if they're not well. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy they're making movies and doing fucked up things. Yeah, Lars von Trier. I I never saw the house that Jack built. I did watch Nymphomaniac one into the European, like the director's cut version. Yeah, like which the is just five porn. hour version or yeah, whatever. It's just porn. It's like mostly yeah. they, they in the American version, they cut out a bunch of the like really like lurid sex scenes yeah. but you know yeah she blows a dude to completion on a train yeah um yeah that movie's intense and then obviously i've seen uh antichrist and uh but i remember them talking about the house that jack built and being like that's there's some scenes that are wild um i mean yeah it, it's a really good movie yeah it is insanely violent uh, but it's like but the way the way the way the narrative frames it, it 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 the violence is gratuitous but there's there's a reasoning for it because it's being told from the serial killer's perspective so he's explaining his murders as like works of art like he's proud of it so yeah. it's it's really fucked up but a really cool film like if you don't like Lars von Trier you're not going to watch it so yeah, yeah you, you, you got to know, you gotta what, you're like getting, you gotta know what you're getting into exactly yeah yeah <laughs> you got to know for sure um yeah. on a completely different like switching to yeah, something sorry, that I does just got really violent there yeah sorry. just switch to something that's uh uh not uh necessarily uh uh so um uh uh dark although it is kind of dark uh moon Knight is out um and mm-hmm. uh i've watched the first two episodes i actually am enjoying it it's um uh oscar isaac does a really good job uh he is uh fantastic actor and um yeah yeah he's just oscar this Isaac has been and, one of the first ones that i'm actually like i want to check out because i love oscar Isaac. oh you cut it especially recently like i love oscar isaac and ethan hawk like in the last five seven years ethan hawk has been doing some of the best acting ever and just so underrated like ethan yeah, hawk he's, has been just they, fucking killing it in recent years and it's it's really cool that it's you know the way that they kind of introduce it and the way that they kind of um the i mean the first two episodes are really kind of setting up for the final four episode arc of of mm-hmm. like the actual story i mean they kind it's just kind of like introducing all the players and explaining yeah the whole multiple personality thing and and dealing with the difference between Stephen and and mark specter and um but it's cool because they had mr knight in it which was really cool because that's like stephen grant's version of of uh, or one of the versions of moon knight one of the because the mark specter stephen grant he has multiple personality disorders so there's like different yeah in the comics there's different characters who inhabit him at different times which have different suits anyway um it's really so far i enjoy it it's it's not you know it it is a marvel disney plus show um, it is, it is, uh, in the same vein, somewhat kind of lighthearted. It's got the Marvel quips and stuff like that, but there's also some moments in there where they're kind of pushing the envelope with some weird weirdness and wackiness. So I, I do, I actually have enjoyed 
the first two episodes. I'll be interested to see how it ends. And also it's introducing the whole like Egyptian gods and everything like that, which is really cool. I like the whole Egyptian, I like Egyptian history and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty good. So nice. far, I'm, I'm enjoying it. But Oscar yeah. Isaac, he kills it. That's like the main thing yeah. from to, to take from that is that Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, when they're both on state or on screen, captivating. I'm, I'm real. It's really cool to see them both doing their thing. And Oscar Isaac really nails the, um, even in just like the face when, when they see when, cause there's moments where the two personalities talk to each other, like through a mirror and the way that they look like the way that they look at each other and talk to each other, the body language and everything like the difference between the two, like it's some just really good, good acting, just really, really mm-hmm. good acting, body work and, and facial acting and stuff just, and then, you know, Ethan Hawke is just quietly menacing, which is kind of sick. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's good. I've enjoyed it so far. I mean, I'm, I haven't seen it. To, it's not done yet, so I can't really give a, a full endorsement, but the first two episodes, they caught, they held my attention. I really enjoyed it. So nice. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, I just have one last thing in the same vein of. If you're listening to this now, this weekend, I think there's still, you can still donate to the snow blinded Indiegogo. Um, I think I've been saying GoFundMe this whole time. It's an Indiegogo. Um, anyways, the links on Twitter and Instagram, and whatever, but, um, yeah, no, we've made a couple thousand dollars. Uh, we still need a bit more, but hey, if we don't get it all and we appreciate anything, um, I'm not sure if Brian has any intentions of extending it or anything or if he's going to leave the donation option open. But hey, uh, we'll, we'll put it the put the link in the uh, description here. And if it's still open, donate. If it's not open, um Sorry, I don't know. Or hey, uh, maybe get in touch with us, and maybe we can figure out something else if you want to help out. Or I don't know. We'll let you know when it's coming out. Um, yeah. So almost done with that. And then also, ah, fuck, I forget the date now. But um, Regicide premiere is happening this summer at it's the in Apollo. June. No, it's in a, June? It's a, they just changed it from the Apollo to Princess. Oh really? Did yeah. they? They oh. just posted it today. The um the, oh. they changed it from the the from the Apollo to the Princess. But I'll before you say that, I just wanted to say cuz this is what I was talking about at the start, if you want to support uh one of your favorite bird boys, Otis Morris, uh and give him a birthday gift, toss a couple shekels to to this Indiegogo. I myself have yeah. and a couple of other of our friends have. Even mm-hmm. if you can only toss like five bucks or whatever, or 25 bucks or, yeah. you know, you don't have to there's, make a big donation. There's a donation. custom donation thing. Like if you want to fucking, like, I don't, you can set it to whatever you, one of the, uh, you know, one of the tiers entices you. If you want a VHS copy, there's that. If you just want to, you want your name, just want to thank you, there's that. If you just want to give some money and don't want anybody to know you even gave money, you can do that too, man. It's all... Yeah. You can do whatever you like, um, but, for, but yeah, that's for, ending soon, though. Yeah, it's ending on the eleventh t- t- as of now, uh, yeah. which is, I believe, Monday or Tuesday, um, mm. or Sunday, maybe Sun- Monday, Sunday, sure. something like that. But it may get extended. Monday, I, yeah, either, either way, 
if you want to support, if you want to, uh, you know, give a little birthday love, that's a great way to do it. Um, and so you should definitely, excuse me, definitely check it out. Um, and yeah, sorry, go ahead about the regicide stuff. Oh, and then, um, yeah, as far as I know, regicide, um, the premiere, I guess now will be at the princess. Um, I, I, I don't know whether it's the princess original or one of the twins. I didn't know it moved. Um, but yeah, uh, the princess theater, even the Apollo, all great, fantastic theaters. Um, so yeah, if you, I forget what the night is, what night it is, but yeah, there will be, um, the screens open to, you know, other people cast and crew will be there. Um, believe there will be a Q and a, there'll also be a mini doc of the making of the movie, either screened before or after. And yeah, it'll be really cool. I'm stoked to see what it is because I haven't seen anything of Regicide. Um, I don't know what the pros production has been like. Like, I can't tell you anything about that. I'm just, I'm just going off of what the film, whereas like Snowblinded, I know like any, like I know exactly like what progress is being made on that. Like I'm far more hands-on on Snowblinded than Regicide. So, hey, if you want to come out and see a fucking movie and, you know, experience for the first time at with with me somebody that made the movie fucking come out their regicide premiere rock and roll i'll be there um i guess that's pretty much it for the day Uh, i wanted to apologize for my cat being rowdy and and screaming the whole time in the background um i don't i she's just in a mood i guess and i I apologize if that that uh she she was begging for that kitty episode she really wants the kitty episode yeah. Um, I don't know what but also like, uh yeah I don't think that's what they sound like but I, no. <laughs> um but uh the other thing is is that uh this will be dropping on the 8th of April before the end of the month I have music more music the next single from the Anxiety Weekend album on Infinite Repeat will be dropping plus I'm dropping two songs from High Strangeness finally uh, there are two songs you've already heard before, um, uh, but uh, and, and some of there will be some that you've heard before, but uh, um, they've been remixed, remastered, and they are sounding powerful. So um, the the new album version of Pressure and then a song that I released in, I think, 2021, maybe 20, late 2020 called Geist. 100 proof uh that uh that was around for a little bit those two will be coming before the end of the month and then uh a uh a song uh from the anxiety weekend album. i haven't decided which single to drop yet but but a song from the anxiety weekend album as well please stream uh when i feel the light these things happen um and uh yeah hopefully next friday i'll be able to tell you uh when those singles are dropping or maybe they will drop next friday i don't know we'll see how much work i get done i have a good word um a bird has flown into my ear and is sweet word that uh you might get you might get some meats nice Some, some, some some dr meats April 15th, April 15th, Dr. Meets. I don't know what, but something. Yeah, keep your eye out for that. Keep your eye out for Palm Reader singles. Keep your eye out for the Anxiety Weekend stuff, the Dr. Meets stuff. 
uh, more information about uh, all the other stuff that we're doing next week. We are finally hitting one that we wanted to talk about for a long time. It's going to be uh, kind of a, both a uh, rumination on uh, on game development and uh, and the problems that come with releasing something before it's yeah. ready, uh, and also a uh, story of redemption. Yeah, which, it'll uh, be the rise and fall and rise and fall and rise something like that <laughs> or it'll be the it'll be the hype then fall then rise i don't know but we're we're, know. we're finally going to talk about in-depth cd project reds cyberpunk game uh cyberpunk 2077 um and uh which is actually turned into quite a fun game to play Uh, and thoroughly enjoyable we talked about it on some episode a while ago about it but we're going to go in depth on to what they changed what they updated why it was so bad when it came out um and the whole the whole you know all that uh, drama of that game yeah the whole history of it i mean that game was announced in 2013 it's been a long storied uh uh and and fraught narrative uh, with very high highs and very low lows. And then now there's actually a playable and enjoyable game at the end of it years after its release. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's good, what, what's good about it, what we like. Um, and we're also going to talk about the history of it and uh, kind of get into game development talk a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah. That's that's next week that's for now. Um, yeah. Follow us, Twitter and Instagram. For me, it's Otis Morris Dude on Twitter and Instagram. And for the good boy Palm Reader, uh, at P A L M P A L M. Oh God, I screwed it up. At P L M R D R on Twitter. At P A L M R E A D R. So that's Palm Reader without the last e on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, go stream Pup, the unraveling of Pup the band, and uh, all of their other fantastic albums and EPs. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, initiate the protocol as always. Peace. Shh.